0: Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. Team, welcome back to the Make an Impact show. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. Today, we are talking about what it means to be ahead of your time, and what it can teach you about your business and your growth. Today, I'm introducing you to Judy Piakos. And if you don't know Judy, she founded the independent publishing company Piacus Books from her bedroom and she grew it into a global publishing brand. She then sold it in 2007 and she talks with us in this chat about the lessons from running her company, but also being a woman ahead of her time when it came to business. I obviously love talking about books and publishing fascinates me, so much so that I published a book myself recently. But I think The lessons you're going to learn today, you can apply them to so many areas of business and it can really teach you a lot about gut, resilience and also working with other people. I really hope you're going to enjoy this episode and you're going to learn so much. And as a reminder, if you do have a book inside you, this might be just the sign that you needed to start writing it. Trust me, from somebody who's been writing enough books as herself and probably thousands of articles by now, I know the importance of just get down to business, get going and get started. I really hope today's conversation and interview gets you inspired. And as always, let us know what you think on social and leave us a review and subscribe because, you know, we love you, you love us. Let's just make it official. I'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, let's hear it from Judy. Hello everyone and welcome Judy.
1: How are you today? Hello Fab, it's lovely to be here. I'm good and the sun is shining so that makes me feel even better. I know vitamin
0: D really does something doesn't it? I think it really makes you know the days are longer but you forgive them for that when the sun is shining.
1: Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for being here. And I'm really, really excited to dive deep into better understanding, obviously, not just who you are, but also the brand that you've built and also with your latest book, a couple of little lessons from that as well. But before I jump into that, I always like to get us to warm up a bit, you know, like a little icebreaker kind of situation. So I've got three questions for you. Hopefully they are quite nice and easy and they're just a bit more about you. So I'm going to crack on just with the first one. And the first one is, Judy. what is the first job you had and what did you learn from it?
1: Ah, uh, that takes me back a while. It was in the school holidays when I was 14. And um, when I was 14, you were allowed to get a job in the school holidays. And I went to an agency and asked what I could do, and they sent me to um, an oil company. So it was very famous at the time, it was called Castrol Oil. And I sat in a large office near Baker Street, round a huge table, this was well before the internet existed, um, with six or seven other women of varying ages. And we sat there counting bits of paper which were actually invoices and putting them in piles all day and I did that for six weeks and we were able to chat so I learned a lot about what middle aged women chat about and as I was only 14 they had to keep watching what they were saying I love that. That
0: is excellent. And yeah, it definitely is like sets up a different way and different things that we would do, I think. As you say, like it was a different time, but even for me, the type of jobs that I would do when I was 14 or 15, jobs or real jobs, were very different from what people will maybe do right now during their summer holidays. So I love that. Thank you so much. Okay, now we're going to pull back a bit closer to right now, okay? Last six months, what is the best investment it can be a thing it can be a service if there's a thing a 100 pounds of less that you have made in the last six months so in the last six months what's the best investment best thing you bought for a 100 pounds or less
1: well before lockdown i had a really fun time i was often out meeting friends and having little lunches and it didn't cost that much and then all of a sudden I had to stop that. We couldn't meet anybody. So I would say my best investment, and it's actually a weekly one, is buying good healthy food and a really tasty cup of coffee that I could have at home. So actually that's a lot more than 100, but it's only 100 every week. Well, I say that it's for my husband as well, all the meals that we are not having in cafes. I'll give you that because in
0: itself is like the little investment of each one. So it's definitely not 100 pounds each. So I'll I'll give us that. I'll give us that. And that's a lovely thing. 100
1: pounds to eat together at home and eat lots of vegetables and fruit, lots of vitamin D and stay off the processed food. We haven't bought any processed food. And I've become really good at making soup.
0: Oh, that's, that's a good one, especially in winter. You definitely get more veg in there. I love that. And also there's a bit of, you know, spending that social time together and really taking that time. I think it's something that, you know, we, we had to rediscover really in a different way. So that's excellent. Last but not least, one more question is about <clears throat> what is the trivia category that you would be really good at and why?
1: Wow. I have never been asked that before. And when years ago, when I was much younger, I was on a quiz show on television called Criss Cross Quiz for children. And at the time I was really good at the capitals of the world. And then they asked me the capital of Fiji and I didn't know it. And I knew nearly all the other capitals, but I didn't know Fiji. So I think I'd mug up on capitals for the trivia show. What, what is the capital of Fiji then? it's called silver, or oh, it was then, <laughs> might have changed, but it was then, it's engraved on my heart, because I had to leave the show, and it was only my second question. Oh,
0: bless you, yeah, I was thinking, I think that one is, she's going to remember that, like, even if, it, as you say, even if it might not be right now, you're going to remember that, I love that, thank you so much. All right, now that we're warmed up, we got, you know, a couple of little bits and bobs, but we're here, here really to talk about ahead of her time, which is, by the way, the title of Judy's book, in case people don't know, but also the journey that was, you know, that came out through the book and from obviously founding your own company, Piaco's Books and everything else that came within that. So I wanted to ask you why the book right now? Obviously the journey has been a journey that you've been going through for a time and obviously it brought different lessons, but is there anything that prompted you to really write and, you know, express this right now of all times?
1: I was a publisher for many years and I built a company, Piatkus Books, that I was really proud of. And I sold it in 2007. And I had a go at writing a book then. And I I couldn't find it, well, I didn't try that many, but I showed it to a few literary agents and they didn't think they could sell it. And so I forgot about it. And then in 2018, I met a woman who she was very good at reading palms she called herself a scientific hand and analyst she was very very good at it and she said you've got a message all your life you've enabled people to get their messages out through books and speaking and meeting and connecting but this is your time to get your message out so i went to a writing class and i went to some writing workshops And the only thing I really wanted to write was my story. And then I think I was meant to write it because it absolutely just flowed. And with the experience that I had from getting it wrong when I first attempted it, I asked an editor if she thought it was any good and she gave me encouragement to finish it. And when I finished it, she copy edited it for me. And with the copy edited version, we then found a literary agent who found a publisher, Watkins Books. So um, I took a different journey and I'd learned from my mistakes the first time. I want to
0: ask you actually, because obviously you mentioned that with Piakus, you actually were a publisher yourself. And this happened like, again, as you say, for a long time before you decided to then sell it. And I was wondering from publisher to published author, how do you think some of that experience and those years of experience have actually helped you or supported you in a way when it came to actually, you know, not just writing, but also this
1: process up until publication of the book? The company I built was Piatkes Books, and I started it from my bedroom when I was in my late 20s, and the company grew over the next 25 years and so I knew everything about how publishing worked and this was before digital and we sold the company because we didn't want to reinvent it for digital so when I returned to the world of publishing which I have done now as an author um, of my book ahead of her time when I returned to that world as an author it was absolutely lovely Um, because once I'd found a publisher I didn't have to sit in production meetings. I didn't have to decide the format or the price. Um, The publishing company Watkins were really generous because they consulted me um, with me about the cover, which is obviously key. And we also spoke about the format, but I haven't had to do any of the work except write the book and um, be a partner in helping promote it on social media and in any other ways that I can help promote it. Um, but all all the all the decisions about the print run and um, which month to publish in and how many pages and editing it for the final last edit and checking proofs and everything. I haven't had, well I have you, well, every author has to check proofs, but I didn't have to worry about anything that the publisher's editorial department had to worry about. So it's really been lovely. I've loved it.
0: And there's something to be said again, as you said about because you are now part the other side, of the almost the other side, and you can actually see also the work that is into the production and, you know, the book coming into your hands, I think it really puts things in a lot of perspective. And again, as you say, it also allows you to really just enjoy the process, especially when the book itself, as you mentioned ahead of time, is really a story of your memoir and of the process that you've been going through and the journey that you've been experiencing as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, actually, if we go back a bit, especially at that beginning stage. How did it feel for you? You, as you said, you were literally starting this from your bedroom. You had a family. There was so much else going on. And it was a different time. And I wanted to ask you, what was one of the biggest struggles or obstacles that you found at that time when you were setting
1: up the company as well? Well, um, I was learning how to set up a company. And when I set up my own company, I had some money because I had had a previous company with a partner, a business partner, we had set it up and we had worked together for a few years, so I'd had the experience of doing it with him. So when I began to do it on my own, I knew what my strengths were. And I also recognized what my weaknesses were. And so although I still made mistakes, for example, I really didn't know anything about bookkeeping. I made a few mistakes there. um, And I began to gradually learn about hiring people. And that's always a massive decision because the people you work with are key to everybody's success. As the company grows, you're constantly learning new things. So we did make mistakes. I mean, we we bought some books to publish that weren't always very successful, but that's the nature of book publishing because it's very high risk. But over the years, we, we made a number of mistakes. Sometimes it's with people, sometimes it's with the product. Sometimes it's something that we didn't check. Sometimes it's a mistake we couldn't possibly have known about. So there's a whole variety of mistakes. But when you if you decide you want to grow a business, you have to like solving problems because every business will be presenting you with problems all the time, especially when you're doing something new and breaking new ground.
0: And that's what what I was thinking as well with what you mentioned is, especially if you're trying something different in an industry that maybe had some set, some set, you know, preconceptions that you might have about what you will see or what it's supposed to be like that's really as you said where those failures those mistakes actually become the lessons that then you can apply and then turn it into something different and unique and I think it's a great reminder because it's something that was valid then and it's very valid now as well and I love that you mentioned also the lessons and the importance of hiring the right people and surrounding yourself like you know with the right people just like you have your team with the publishers that actually support your book right you then also have to have your team when it comes to everything else that you're doing so i wanted to ask you both with what with what you were doing then and also with right now how what has been one of the greatest i guess again lessons that you have learned when it comes to finding right people to support your company and your vision
1: well gradually the staff grew and over the years we had a staff of 28 people on the payroll and we had a lot of people who were working with us freelance and we had a culture where we empowered people as much as we could to make decisions and to think for themselves so i was never a micromanager so i wasn't checking everything all the time and but i was by then i had some co-directors And we always had a culture where we trusted people. So we trusted people to work flexible hours and we trusted people to have the occasional day working at home, especially if they were in editorial. Um, we didn't worry too much if someone had a couple of hours off to go to a dentist or if they needed a day to go to a funeral it wasn't a big issue but we did make it clear to everybody that we were small although we became a medium but we were fairly small in terms of larger companies and that everybody's input counted so that if they slacked off or didn't do the basics of what they were supposed to do then the whole company was going to be affected by it so that everything that everybody did actually made a difference and if we didn't earn enough money at the end of the month then we were going to struggle to pay everybody so everybody really understood that one and I think that it enabled us to work together wonderfully well as a team
0: I love that and I think it reminds us also the importance of ourselves as leaders and that different type of leadership that maybe we want to encourage when it comes to the people that are around us. And I know that the leadership element, especially that conscious leadership, is something that you also champion as well. And I think is almost we know what it is. We understand like what leadership is important, especially when we're trying to share our message. But if I were to ask you, what would you... What, what does leadership mean to you? What does leading mean to you? How do you see that working when it comes to you wanting to make an impact?
1: I went to university after I sold my company and I studied the theory of leadership. And it was really interesting because it was my first degree. And, and I think the thing that stayed with me the most was something that I learned from the philosopher Nietzsche, which is that when you're a leader, you're always standing slightly apart from the rest of the herd, from the rest of the crowd, and I think that if you, you have to be comfortable with with being in that place. You have to let go of being liked. You want to be respected because otherwise it's really impossible to work together as a team, but you have to be comfortable with standing out there on your own and leading. And I also believe if you're running a company, you've got to be leading. You've got to be there every day. I think it's very hard to run a company if you're miles away and you're not connected with all the people who are working on your behalf. Um, And if, if you do that you've got to have deputies who are there and are doing a good job for you, but you have to lead from the front, you can't lead from the side or behind, and if you're not prepared to be out front, then it's going to be hard to be a leader. And that almost ties in
0: very well with what I was going to ask you next because actually thinking about that leading from the front, sometimes it also means, and I love the analogy that you brought us there as well. I remember that that Nietzsche's quote, actually. The idea that obviously leading from the front sometimes means also seeing things that people might not have seen. And I love that one of the people that you discovered was Dr. Christian Northrup, who I, I love her, her books as well. I love her stuff in general. So you almost brought, with your company, you brought another side of the non fictions or the books and or what was interesting as well as fiction obviously but you brought it to the mainstream and that in itself obviously also means like taking a risk and thinking about some things that maybe were not expected to become again within the mainstream and just trying and I think that's another big part of that leadership is obviously leading your people but also sometimes leading by taking the risk and wanting to approach something new so I wanted to ask you, when it comes to some of the people that you championed and obviously you supported within the company and the authors that you found, what, was there a lot of a intuition? Was there a lot of it connecting with the people? Or was it just also the drive and the interest in bringing something new to the table when it came to the topics, when it came to the approach that they actually had?
1: Well, I have, I built Piatka's Books, which was the name of my publishing company. I built it over a period of 25 years. And when I started, we were publishing popular fiction, and we were publishing it in hardback for libraries. And we were lucky enough to publish Virginia Andrews, who wrote Flowers in the Attic, and Daniel Steele and lots of other well known novelists. And we published them in hardback. And then I realized that I needed to venture into nonfiction, or I would never be taken seriously as a publisher. So. In the 1980s, when the company was sort of getting going, we were looking for subjects that other publishers weren't publishing because we had to give the booksellers a reason to stock our books. So we wanted to offer something special and to say to the booksellers, well, you want to take this because people are getting very interested in it and here's why. So we began to publish cookery and we also began to publish alternative health. So we published books on reflexology and aromatherapy, and we were able to demonstrate to our customers who were the booksellers that these were subjects that the public were getting interested in. Now, in some businesses, the business owner sells direct to the consumer, but in other businesses such as publishing at that time, because this was before the internet, we had to sell to the bookseller in order to get the customer so we needed to use different sales techniques but usually our approach was to do something slightly different otherwise because we weren't a big publishing company if we kept doing the same as everybody else the bookseller might not have taken the books so gradually we expanded from alternative health and cookery and fiction into mind body and spirit and then that became personal development and personal growth i was
0: wondering whether some of the element especially the personal development the personal growth is also part of what inspired you then after obviously you sold the company to then start Conscious Cafe as well which you can give us a bit more context about what it is um but yeah I'm kind of wondering whether obviously these conversations are a lot also around the self-awareness and connecting people so was that also part of it because of your personal interest in the topic or what was the reason why you
1: decided to then uh, tap into this new venture? I think it's difficult for any publisher to publish a topic that they're not interested in. And the reason is that, first of all, a publisher who was new to the topic would not have read widely and so wouldn't know the best books. And it's not something you can just rush and do. Um, so you know what, you've what you got a, 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 a good editor is usually going to be interested in the topic. And then, um, as a publisher, you've got to read the other books that are selling well, that other publishers are publishing, so that you've got an understanding of why that book is so successful and why it was published so well, which are two separate things, because it could be a wonderful book, so everybody wants to read it, or it could actually be a book that wasn't that special, but the publishers did such a good job of marketing it that everybody wanted to read it. So those are set slightly separate things. So, yes, um, I became really interested, and they always say, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So I was obviously meant to be a student of um, personal growth, and there were the teachers in the form of all these books that people began to offer us and that we were able to buy from America and publish in the UK. Um, And so the topic has been of great interest to me and has changed my life. It has absolutely impacted on the person that I am now. So, if you were to explain us just a bit more about,
0: obviously, what Conscious Cafe is and kind of how that works, just for us to better understand that as well. Obviously, we know also where the interest came from, but I would love to hear also from you how does that work and how these conversations are actually happening.
1: After I sold the company in two thousand and seven. I I was so burnt out, I didn't do anything for a year because I'd just been working full on for all those years and reading every weekend. And then I really began to miss the authors, lovely authors who we'd worked with and and I missed having good conversations about mindfulness, about consciousness. So I launched Conscious Cafe actually from my flat and I invited some consciously people who were interested in spiritual books and conscious books And everybody came and we had a conversation. And the first one was about what is consciousness and they all enjoyed it. And so I decided to run one every month and that was in 2011. So we've been doing it for 10 years now. And we used to always meet physically and we would have conversations about topics such as freedom, authenticity, what is creativity, Um, all kinds of topics, and we all got to know each other very well, and these were conversations, conversations like self-love, I mean that was a very popular one, happiness, the same topics come up, but you're a different person when you have it each time, so you've always got a different point of view. So um, people loved having the conversations because often they couldn't have them with their families or their other friends who weren't particularly interested in discussing these ideas. And then some of the people who'd been coming to Conscious Cafe in my flat were coming from far, far away, you know, an hour or two hours by train or car, and they set up groups in their own hometowns. And now we've got some groups abroad as well. And since the pandemic, we've gone online. So if you want to find out more about Conscious Cafe, it's www.consciouscafe.org. And if there's one near you, um, but also you can join our conversations and our events online. So, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that.
0: No worries, and it sounds like a great idea. This is what we do at Creative Impact ourselves we just bring people together and we get people to share. And I think it's such a powerful thing when we facilitate those conversations. So again, I'm more than happy to to, make sure that we talk about these conversations as much as possible. So definitely make sure that people check that out as well. Now, before I let you tell us a bit more, people can find out more about the book as well. I have the last final question for us. That's the hardest question of them all. So if you were to have brunch or lunch with anyone dead or alive, who
1: would this one person be? you are so not going to like my answer but i actually like having brunch with my husband (laughs) and it's so funny because we live in a flat and he's got his office in one room and i've got my office in another room and even though it's been locked down and even though we've seen a lot of each other we also don't always spend that much time together and just last week i was thinking the restaurants and cafes are opening again and I can't think of anything nicer than just going out for a meal that someone's going to serve us and we're not in a rush and we're not in a hurry and we can sit there for two or three hours I just want to talk to my husband in a restaurant and have someone else put food in front of me so that's very boring but it's also about my good fortune in having such a lovely partner in my life a thousand percent. That's a
0: great answer. And actually, you know, sometimes it's a reminder that we spend a lot of time with people, but especially right now where we've been forced to be together so much and we had to also find our own space. It means that a lot of our day, actually, we have to spend focusing and we don't really realize that people around us. So it's a little appreciation. So I really like that. That's, that's, that's a great answer. See, I wasn't going to get upset. I wasn't going to get Now, if people want to find out more about the book again, where should they go to find out more about Ahead of Her Time?
1: So the book is Ahead of Her Time, and it's got a subtitle, How a One Woman Startup Became a Global Publishing Brand. And you can go into any bookshop and you can order it in the bookshop. And the book is also on sale in many other countries, in, in America, Canada and South Africa, it's going to be in Australia. And uh, so you can always get it um, from a major bookshop in your, city, in your nearest city, otherwise you can get it online, you can get it from Amazon and you can get it from somewhere like Waterstones. And there's also a new site for independent bookshops called www.bookshop.org. And if you want to support your local independent bookshop, you can order online from your local independent bookshop using that site. So uh, it's really easy to find. And you can download it from Amazon on your Kindle and you will shortly be able to listen to it as well if you want. So you'll be able to download an audio. That's excellent. Thank you so, so much, Judy. Have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you,
0: Fab. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your hahas and takeaways on Instagram at Creative Impact Co. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.